Um, we have been rolling, y'all. We have been in this joyous sermon series called Kingdom Come, as we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. It's been a, 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 a cool series so far. We've been blessed to have a couple of people kind of jump in and encourage us in the word. Brother Matthew brought it last week as we wrapped our minds and more importantly, our hearts around the topic of lust. We had uh, Pastor Bob Hoy came and he encouraged us and helping us understand the law. But we, we've been going through this series and I want to remind you of our series logo. It's uh, a, a mountain scene because this is the, the visual image that you get of Jesus talking. Jesus went out, he saved a bunch of people, he did a bunch of healing, and then went to the mountain and said, let me go ahead and preach this bomb sermon. And this sermon hits on all different aspects of life, but he's doing so from a mountain because a mountain is a place that you could project and everybody could hear you. It's like an amphitheater almost, a natural amphitheater. And so Jesus is encouraging, is equipping, is helping to transform the disciples. But our logo has the mountain in the background with the city leading up to it. It's a reminder that as you understand something about Jesus, you're also supposed to live it out. We're not just getting mental information. We're not just trying to get a few good facts. We're supposed to be actually taking this thing and then walking it out. So our, our logo for the series reminds us of our mission field, that we would experience Jesus on the mountainside, but then walk with Jesus in our hood. I'm grateful for uh, our awesome sister Megan who created the, the series slide for us. The sister's brilliant and if y'all see her give her a pound or give her the head nod. Good job girl. Let her know that you were encouraged by her. Let's pray. Lord we thank you. We thank you that we get to continue to be encouraged by your word. We thank you Lord that uh for what you laid on the heart of these elders in this church, that we wouldn't just pick the sections of scripture that we like most or excite us most, but we allow the, the story of scripture to speak for itself, and that helps to make us well-rounded. It helps to give us encouragement when we need it and beat us up when we need it a little bit. Sometimes we just need to be whipped into shape, God, and we thank you for all the many ways you're helping grow us in you. Do so during this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever had a preference, but you allowed an alternative? Have you ever had a, a, a something that you preferred, but you was like, I'm okay with the alternative, a second? Sometimes you go out with all of your family, and you, you go in to kick it, friends, and y'all are headed out to go eat somewhere, and you got your mind set on Mexican. A nice thick burrito would be on point right about now. And then somebody says, nah, I kind of want burgers and fries. Okay, I could do burgers and fries. I've been uh, trying at times to cook a little bit. Yesterday was, 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 was one of those times where my, my preference was one that didn't quite line up with what my kids were preferring. So I try to cook up some food. 
I'm thinking, okay, I got to get a balanced meal together. My goal is to give them something that's going to be pleasing to their taste buds, but I'm also thinking nutrition. I want my children to be healthy. I want the family to be healthy. Tammy's encouraged me. I've seen her cook some amazing meals that was healthy, and I'm like, oh, it can be done. You can actually have something taste good that's healthy. Okay, let me go for it. It, it, it didn't work out the way I planned, y'all. They, they, they took a bite. Then for daddy, they took another one. But it, it didn't taste in the way that they hoped. My preference, what I preferred was that they eat it all, be nourished, and then go and have a good day. But instead, they was like, Dad, can we, can, can we have some waffles? Now we now we going from vegetables, meat to, to 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 waffles, but but you adjust with the alternative because at that moment I realize, all right, I'm willing to concede, I'm willing to make an exception, I'm willing to change what I would prefer you have because this tension exists, this drama exists, this you know, me wanting you to do something, you not wanting to do something. And instead of like arguing and arguing and arguing and arguing and trying to force it down, okay, I give in. Today, family, we are going to allow God's word to speak with us on a topic. It's a topic that God prefers, and we're going to understand what he prefers, but also we're going to understand what he allows. The topic that we're going to be focusing on today is marriage, but specifically that he allows divorce. It's not his intended preference. It's not the means by which he wants to nourish us and see us flourish. No, marriage is the, the entity by which he wants to see us grow and thrive in him. But he does allow for divorce. What is divorce? Divorce is a, a, a legal disillusion of marriage by a court or other uh, competent body. Divorce from husband or wife, wife or husband. You start to look back at the, the breakdown of the word divorce and it, its etymology. They, they, they go back to at least uh, 14th century France. And it's from the term divertir. I know I probably didn't pronounce that right, pronounce that right. But the definition means to turn in different directions. Divorce, to turn in different directions. Sadly, uh, an article from Citizens says in 1914, the, di the divorce rate in the United States was 1%. Divorce was virtually unknown. Divorce was a non-issue, but in 1981, divorce, the, the divorce rate hit an all-time high in the United States at 53% of all marriages. It's estimated that the divorce rate for 2021 was about 45%. That's better than 1991, but still nearly half of all marriages were or will be wrecked according to those numbers. 
yet the nation that we are in isn't even close to having the highest divorce rate in the world. Spain, uh, at number five in the list, has a divorce rate of 63%. Czech Republic has the number four spot of 66%. Hungary earning the bronze divorce medal with 67% raise. Coming in second is Portugal at 68%. And the top country for marriage breakdowns, divorces. That would be Belgium with a whopping 72% of marriages ending in divorce. There's a culture of divorce and it's not unique to America. There is a worldwide problem where divorce exists and it is a culture that we are speaking into And there was a culture taking place that Jesus was speaking into. You see, sometimes before you dive into the text, you got to understand the points of tension. You got to understand where there's a desire for one thing and the people are doing something different. And right now we have that reality. Where God has a desire for marriage to be something that blesses and flourishes and is such a delight for us. And yet in our world, we're seeing the opposite. So turn with me now to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, continuing in our our series on the Sermon on the Mount. These are statements that Jesus is giving. These are not just one linear thought. Jesus is going to hit a number of different things to help sharpen us. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 31. And today is a day where we actually going to jump out of our verses for a little bit. So be prepared. You can be at your finger in Deuteronomy. And then also we're going to be in Matthew 19 in a minute too. Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is a a verse, a couple of verses that are coming to speak to the culture. He said, it was also said also said refers to a a group of verses that everyone is somewhat familiar with and that group of verses would have been old testament going to deuteronomy chapter 24 so if you can keep your finger there matthew 5 flip forward to deuteronomy 24 come on pastor help me out now you you're starting to bore me you got just reading scripture and reading scripture i know see see but 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 if i if i say something to you like 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 uh, they were a faithful couple until he went to the red light district. You'd be like, huh? Because you, you, know you know what that means. You know, you know what a red light district is. You know how that can corrupt and damage a healthy home. And so you need some context for understanding why does Jesus say, well, you've heard it was said. Well, what was said? What's what's being messed up? How is the world being distorted? And Jesus is speaking to it because whenever Jesus is speaking, he's seeking to heal us. He's seeking for us to be whole. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses one through four. 
says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter man dies, who took her to be his wife, then her former husband, who sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not sin bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Everybody in the room like, ooh, pastor, how you going to dig yourself out of this one? All right, so let me, let, me, let me restate what's happening here so we're all on the same page. So if a man marries a woman, he finds, a, a, uh, that, he finds that she no longer has favor in his eyes. He gives her a certificate of divorce. She then goes marry another person. Let's say that that second guy that she marries says, I no longer find favor in you, or if, if he dies, now... The first husband cannot come back and try to get with her. Why? Because the woman has had connected intimately with another man and because this woman is not your property. You see, it, it seems like this is all to try to demean women. No, actually, this is written to say this woman is created in God's image and you are not able to simply control a woman at your will. So this is written actually as a rebuke to the man. But there's some issues going on here. You see, what's happening here is, is that the people of God began to interpret God's word and, and say, we're going to choose a different way to go. When it says, if she finds no favor in his eyes, what do y'all think no favor in his eyes means? The guy's like, I ain't saying nothing. I ain't getting in no trouble. Mm -mm. I ain't touching that one, Pastor. It set me up. <laughs> See, that, that's, that, that's part of the problem here. So you have, you have uh, uh, my, my wife and I, my wife used to live in California. And we would uh, go to this burger spot that I really liked. It's called In-N-Out. When you go to In-N-Out, the, the menu is really quite simple. It's like, you know, beef patty, bun. It's like eight things on it. But when you're standing there, people are like, let me get a double animal no waffle with a, with a zoo in the store. And you're like, what is he talking about? None of that's on the menu, but, 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 but you know someone, basically my wife had to interpret for me, how do you order something in this place? I see what it says, but I need to have the skills in order to actually be able to order. In Jewish tradition, you had the Old Testament scriptures that were written laws. 
But then there was an oral tradition that the rabbis would come and say, now, let me help you learn how to dial into this. Let me explain this for you. And there were two camps of rabbis. There was a rabbi, Shammai, that was extremely conservative. He said, hey, in a situation like this, the only way that you could ever divorce your wife, even present her with a certificate, is if she cheated on you. There's no other way for you to get out of marriage. God has made this. But then there was a rabbi named Rabbi Hillel. Rabbi Hillel said, if she put too much salt in your food, you can divorce her. If she burns your food, you can divorce her. If you don't like the way she look anymore, give her the certificate. So now you've got these two competing methods of thought. One that says one reason and one reason only. Another that says, take your pick. And which one do you think the guy started rolling towards? See, I'm about to walk. If Hillel was on this side, I'm about to walk all the way outside because that's some of the behavior that began to take place within the spiritual culture that now men are writing certificates to ladies, to their wives for foolishness. And divorce is happening at a rate that is way too rampant. Sound like something familiar? Sound like a culture that you understand? Sound like something that, that, that we can begin to find reasons that, that this shouldn't work anymore, that, that this isn't going to happen? I'm, I'm, I'm sad, y'all. I'm sorry. It's, it's a part of my, my sinful flesh. But, but I do like stars. I do enjoy superstars. As much as I didn't like him because he played against my favorite team, I really liked Michael Jordan. I liked him as a player. I liked Shaquille O'Neal. There's some musicians that I really like. The sad part, com comedians I really like. The sad part is I can't really name for you of all the stars that I really enjoy how many still have marriages that are intact. can't name for you a ton of people that I looked up to when I was young, whether it was rap music or sports or whether it was some family members, whether it was some friends. You see, this culture of separating what God has made, what God has made, okay, so Jesus actually refers to what God has made. Now, you were in Matthew chapter 5. Flip back to Matthew chapter 19. Because there's a conversation that happens about divorce that chapter 19 helps us understand chapter 5. Chapter 19, we're going to start at verse 3. Jesus got some words. He says, chapter 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees come up to him and they ask him, uh, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? OK, well, what does Jesus do? So so Jesus pauses. Hold up. Let's let's go back to creation. 
Let's make sure that you understand what God's original intent was. His original intent had nothing to do with divorce. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. That's that's a direct quote from Genesis chapter two, verse 24. Why? Because before Moses, which these guys are building their case on. Before Moses, there was God who said, I've got something that's going to allow my creation to experience joy because it's going to reflect me and multiply. I've got this tool called marriage. And guess what? There's not going to be loneliness because there's going to be this bond that happens between two people. Hey, Let's see. And instead, God's creation, God's people, God's beautiful image bearers, instead of seeing this this great thing that God gave them as a gift, this great opportunity God gave us to reflect him, instead, they began to find holes in it for reasons that they could get out of it. Verse 7, they said to him, why then did Moses come command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Have you have you had that happen before? Where 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 you somewhere you doing something and uh, somebody tries to blame something on you. I, I, won't, I won't put my kid. My kids, are they in here? One of them in here. We got one of them. Okay, okay. But you know, they'll be, they'll be doing something, cleaning up, and then they break a glass. Psh! Like, what, what were y'all doing? How did you, what, what happened? Well, Dad, you told me to clean up. You, you. You, you see what they say in verse 7? Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce? Command one. Moses has never sent out a commandment of divorce. I don't think that was in a 10, y'all. I don't, I don't, think, that was, I don't think that was number 10.5 of, and thou shalt go divorce one's wife. You see, they're, they're taking God's laws and I, and I love that, that, that Jesus just redirects him because of the hardness of heart. Not that he commanded it, but he allowed it. You see, divorce is something God allows to happen, but was not in the original design because in the original design, there's supposed to be this great expression of sacrifice. What's, what's the reason? That I'm getting on your nerves? Yep. That you're getting on mine? Yep. What's the reason? That she's impatient? That he's impatient? Yep. What's the reason? That after 20 years, everything ain't doing what it used to do the way it used to do? Yep. You get, we get, you, you get older. This is life. And is that a 
cause to be able to write a certificate and say, out of here? No. No. Verse 9, and, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Except for sexual immorality, this, this term sexual immorality, is, it's, it's, it's the phrase is one of like a heart that is uh, um, like continual non-repented indulgence. It doesn't mean that you go physically and do it over and over again. You may physically do it once, but if your heart is continued in unrepentant indulgence, like, yeah, I did that, but, you know, I'm a, like, that's, that's not repentance. And, it, and it's not saying that, that, uh, that a repentant heart won't be accepted by God or that you must divorce a person. Not saying that at all. Verse 10, the disciple said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. So now he's saying basically, yeah, this is weighty. I know y'all are saying, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't get married. Well, maybe you shouldn't. Because if, if you can't handle saying till death do us part that, that we are going to be ride or die as one, that, that we are not going to take the bond that God has created and say, no, we're stronger than your bond. We want to do our own thing. If you can't handle that responsibility, then maybe you shouldn't be married. Because the consequence is weighty. The consequence is heavy. The consequence is a lot. I've been uh, reading varying things about Henry Ford. I've heard some stuff about his masterful mind. I've heard some stuff about how he created environments that were crazy, difficult for his workers. I came across this quote that said, uh, more and more people seem to forget Henry, Fa Henry Ford's sage advice when asked on his 50th wedding anniversary for his rule for marital bliss and longevity, he replied, just the same as in the automobile business, stick to one model. Don't reconsider, don't, don't think of, don't look other places, stay, stay focused, stay here. And the problem that, that, gave, that, that grabbed the eye of these Pharisees, of this culture, of our culture today, is that we begin to start looking to the other side, to the grass being greener. Let me see. I know somebody's out there worth me giving her this certificate. You see, Jesus is speaking right to that. So you heard it said that you could go and do that? How crazy. No, there's but one reason and one reason alone. I was. Uh, I was reading that. Uh, I, I. So this is a weighty conversation. This is a weighty topic. And I, I, I believe that in our past we have wanted people to stay in marriage so much because we believe marriage is good. Can I get an amen? Okay. 
So we've, we've wanted people to stay in marriage sometimes to the point where, where what they were going through and what they were experiencing was not truly heard. I'm not saying that as you hear us, hear me talk about this message and that, yes, I think Jesus is serious about, about the reasoning for why you would get a divorce. I'm not saying that adultery is the only reason for divorce. Pastor, you seem to contradict yourself because that's what the text says. When we look at the text, though, there's also a heart issue that is happening. There is also an, a, an experience that people is having. And so I, I like this brother who's a, a Christian. Uh, he's a Christian lawyer. His name's Jeff Doman. He said, hey, here's four reasons to consider, not four reasons to guarantee your escape. Four reasons to consider when you are thinking about marriage, thinking about divorce. The first one is adultery, which we've talked about to a degree, adultery, which says, hey, if there is a, 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 a union that happens that's consummated with, with uh, intercourse, you're willing to break that union. God said, I'm making one, and it gets kind of the stamp of approval happens at that, but you're saying, oh, no, I want to add in a third. No, I took two and made them one. Who are you to add in another? But then the second after adultery is addiction. You see, addiction can, can be a, a form of idol worship. It can be a, a destructive entity that leads a person not to experience the shalom that God would have for them in their home. Again, not a guarantee but as you consider adultery, addiction, abuse, physical, mental, spiritual abuse. Now, abuse needs to be talked about with someone else. Because sometimes, just because you're in an argument and you don't like the, that that person doesn't agree with you, that's not abuse. But there are people who do, so abuse should be shared and talked about with a professional counselor, with a community. Don't simply take that weight on yourself. Adultery, addiction, abuse, and lastly, abandonment. If your spouse is no longer present, no longer provides help, no longer behaves and conducts themselves as if they are married to you. You see, the, the commonality of all four of these things is they all have the potential of breaking the oneness that God has made. So sexual immorality was very clear. It's very clear. Okay, you're making a choice to go elsewhere, to do something else. But see, you can still make that choice today. And you have to be careful of make sure that we, we want to be a family that walks with you, that journeys with you, 
that supports you if you feel like you are at the place of wanting a divorce or considering a divorce. Don't do this in solitude. Don't do this alone. But, but know that it breaks God's heart. And that's not a plea for you to feel guilty. That's not us lumping this weight upon you. That's God saying, I had an intended purpose in mind. There's something I prefer, and that's that you would flourish in marriage. Here's an alternative. But it wasn't my original design. I, I want to make sure that, that our body at least has some tools to have help if divorce is something that you're wrestling with. Uh, one of our partnering churches, uh, Grace Community Church, they offer something called divorce care. Uh, it helps those that are uh, going, working. Basically, it is some amazing folks that uh, connect with a network of churches all over the nation. And if you have been divorced and still need support, uh, they will walk with you. Uh, and if you are considering divorce, uh, they connect you with uh, certain resources and certain people. We want to be a blessing uh, during a, uh, an experience that can be very stretching and very difficult. But I, I'm, I'm humbled. There was a person who, who shared with me that, that they, they thought because they were divorced, they couldn't experience new life. That seeing these words, seeing Jesus say, hey, it's, it's sexual, uh, sexual immorality and that's it, like that, that because they have been divorced, they couldn't experience the true joy and love that God would have for them. And I, I just, I, I, I would love for you to, to flip over with me to Colossians chapter 1. Verses, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Simple, simple, simple statement. It's as as, as found in some verses about that where we're praising and thanking God. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of what? Sin. See, any time... Divorce takes place, sin has run rampant. And somebody usually says the sin is all the other person's fault. It's never all the other person's fault. But it can be enough of that person's fault that your heart aches. Yes, there was an intention that God had. Yes, it was his design that you would stay one, that you would be whole. And yes, sin took place and broke that union but you were not defined by your marriage in God's eyes. There is restoration. There is wholeness. There is forgiveness of sin. And God does want to walk with you. Why am I spending an extra amount of time with a relatively young church and uh, folks that don't have a ton of divorces? Well, we want you to have the proper understanding of God's word so that you can talk with people from a gospel-centered lens. What do you say when your friend says, you know what, I don't know if this is working out. 
working out. You talking about the why? The, the gym? What, you talking about Planet Fitness? Because I know you're not talking about it not working out when you're talking about what God has created. The union that he has put together, right? Right? You wouldn't say that, right? See, that's the filter that we're supposed to have. That's the way we come to it. That's the way we respond. Doesn't mean you can't be the listening, the loving, the patient friend. But it does mean we hold a high regard for God's beautiful, miraculous work in drawing two people together and make them one. It's important to Christ. So it's important to us. Let us pray together, family. Lord, we are uh, saddened by the hearts of, of, of man. How easy it is, Lord, for us to um, begin to see the grass being greener on the other side. And, and let us not look down on these Pharisees. Let us not believe that we are better than them. Let us not laugh at how foolish they could have been to to discount somebody because of they burned a meal or oversalted a meal and they divorced them for reasons like that. How quickly, Lord, our reasons can be just as foolish. Our reasons can be a smack in the face of what you've done. Don't let us, Lord, have hearts that want to take advantage and abuse the grace that you've extended us. Yes, Lord, marriage is a, a fight against Satan. We're trying to fight off his evil tactics to break up all unions. But also, Lord, it's a fight for you. It's us pushing on and persevering to be closer to you. And in doing so, we're closer to one another. So we pray, Lord. First, Lord, we pray against sexual immorality. We pray against uh, people actually going out and doing anything that would cause their spouse great harm. But also, Lord, if this should happen, we pray, Lord, for a brokenness to take place in the hearts of women and men. If they should ever indulge in any sinful act like this, Lord, let their hearts just be broken and let true repentance flow, Lord so that they may be in right relationship with you and truly pursue their spouse. Father, we want to be a people that have high regard for your merit, for marriage. That's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As I, as I was looking up those different statistics about, you know, our country being uh, ranked this certain amount in divorces. Uh, there was a direct correlation to how to to percentages of divorces in Christianity based on your involvement in church. So if you were a person that got married in a Christian church and you checked the box Christian, your divorce rate was the same as the world's. Because simply getting married in a Christian building 
doesn't mean you're a Christian, right? It just means you liked the building and how beautiful it was and you wanted somebody to pray when y'all got married. Cool. But if you start listing things like attend church once a month, pray together, read together, Attend church twice a month together. See, once the more things you increase that aren't proof that you're a Christian, but your odds start to be a little bit more in favor than just saying, I'm a Christian, and you never attend or experience or show any type of fruit. But if you start showing fruit, the more fruit you show with your spouse, that number drops drastically. I think the number was like 60% and it went down to like 38%. Now, I hate that 38% of Christian marriages end in divorce. I don't like that and neither does the Lord. But if you want to ask yourself, how do I begin to lead towards long, the long haul? Do things together. Be together. Spend time together. And the other component that was a key factor and I'm gonna let y'all go was the words you use they studied thousands of families and they said over a 10-year period it said people who spoke uh, negative no because I'm about to mess it up let me just read it for y'all and I'm gonna get y'all out the house uh and y'all know I ain't going to be able to find it when I'm supposed to. Pray for pastor. Somebody say, it's in the crock pot, pastor. You ain't got to hurry that much. It ain't going to burn. <laughs> Professor Bradley Wright, a sociologist uh, at University of Connecticut, explains from his analysis of people who identify as Christians rare, but rarely attend church, that 60% of these have been divorced. Of those who attend regular, regular church, 38% only have been divorced. Uh, dang it, dang it. Jesus, I'm going to just have to send it to y'all. But basically what it said was, hey, if you start uh, speaking to your partner in a manner that's like unkind, that's an indication that you're moving in the wrong way. If by the time you, uh, in your marriage, get to a place where you use your partner's name in a, in a way where you're speaking derogatory, you're talking down to them, you call them names, that slippery slope from not preferring from, from, from simply not agreeing to them to actually speaking bad about them, that is a key indication that divorce is coming next. Pastor, why are you saying all this worldly stuff? I'm saying it because watch your tongue. If your tongue cannot edify your spouse, then come talk to me. Come talk to the elders. Notice I didn't say tolerate your spouse. Notice I didn't say just exist in the presence of your, if your tongue cannot edify, lift up and celebrate your spouse, you are headed down the wrong direction. We don't just want you to have a heart that's 
like coasting. We want you to be thriving. And single folks and married folks, we do life together at this church. You see a person that, that you kick it with and they don't really ever talk well about their spouse. It's on us. It's on me. It's on you to let stuff like that slide. Let's not. Let's do life together. Let's pull us aside. Hey, man, I, how y'all doing? Because it's been a while since I really heard you speak positively about her. Hey, sis, are all of his ideas bad? Yeah, they are pretty bad. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> all right, y'all. Lord, thank you for the family. I, I'm so grateful. I know you put that on my heart. It didn't even come out right, but I pray it helps one family at least, Lord. Would you allow us to be strengthened in you as a family? We're going to be walking with our singles, walking with married folks, all just trying to live for you, Lord. And, and bring you joy. And as we do that, it frustrates and makes Satan angry. And we all cool with that. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church fam, uh, you have a communion element near you. Communion is something that we do. Uh, and and, and, and I'll, I'll be up here afterwards. I would love to pray for any person who would like prayer, uh, especially in the area of marriage and in, in the area of your tongue edifying your spouse like we, we're here. Uh, and if you're at home and you want to call in, 313-444-0036.